The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory Glory to you, o Lord. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. <coughs> woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So my first exposure to the study of history was in the third grade. Mrs. Desmond was our third grade teacher at Sierra Linda Elementary School in Oxnard, California, just up the coast from Los Angeles. Mrs. Desmond was an austere woman, probably in her late 50s at the time, and her teaching style was very much old school. One of Mrs. Desmond's convictions was that the best way to learn history is to study the lives of great men and women. She was less concerned that we memorize dates and places and more interested in having her students engage meaningfully with the noble characters of history. Mrs. Desmond was famous around the school for her year-end history project for third graders an assignment that required her students to pick a great woman or man from history and to do a 10-minute presentation on his or her life for the class. Parents and grandparents were invited to attend, and so it was an especially big deal. I thought long and hard about who I should pick as my great man or woman, but the choice ended up being a rather easy one for me, Abraham Lincoln. I loved his nickname, Honest Abe, and the many stories of his unfailing integrity. I loved his moral courage in opposing slavery, even at the great cost of dividing the country. I loved his eloquence in speech, especially in times of crisis, and I committed to memorizing his brief but profoundly moving Gettysburg Address. Somewhat more frivolously, I loved collecting pennies with his awkward profile 
on it. And I also loved his elegant signature and spent many hours, and this is true, trying to copy it as precisely as I could. It was always A, Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln quickly became a hero of mine, teaching me much about what it looks like to be a person of integrity and decency and courage, even in the midst of great evil and controversy. Mrs. Desmond was right about why history matters. History is worth studying not so much because of all the facts and figures, but because in and through history, we can be inspired by the lives of men and women who have gone before us, just as we can also learn from their mistakes and their foibles and weaknesses. You may not think of history as a religious discipline, but it is, or at least it can be. Christianity is at its core an incarnational faith, meaning that we believe that God chooses to reveal himself not so much in abstract truths as in the flesh and blood of historical human beings, most especially, of course, and most perfectly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, our primary obligations as Christians is to immerse ourselves in the story of who Jesus was and is and will be as disclosed to us in scripture and sacrament. But secondarily, we can also learn from all those women and men over the centuries who have given witness to Christ's love in their own lives because one of the less appreciated mysteries of our faith is that the risen Christ's life continues to unfold in the lives of others just as his life continues to unfold in our own. This is precisely what All Saints Day is about. It is the church's commitment to history, to the task of recovering and remembering the lives of all those who have gone before us and have been witnesses to God's glorious reality on earth. Take it from a recovering lawyer. Witnesses establish the truth by giving evidence. It really is as simple as that. When we celebrate the saints, we honor those who have given evidence, who have made God believable by how they have lived and how they have died. Saints are people who recognizes that the choices we make each day matter. Every welcoming gesture, Every kind word, every compassionate act, every patient moment of forbearance, every minute listening to another story, all of these seemingly small things are important in and of themselves because they are part of God's story in the world. And they constitute evidence of God's power to inspire and transform this broken world of ours. And so today we honor the saints 
and not just the famous ones, but all the saints, the obscure as well as the celebrated, the explicitly Christian as well as those whose lives are hidden in Christ, anonymous Christians as the Jesuit theologian Karl Rahner once described them. Take, for example, Eddie Hillesum. Eddie Hillesum was a young Jewish woman who lived in Amsterdam in the 1940s during the Nazi occupation and died as one of the millions of victims of the Holocaust. Eddie's gift was writing, and from the day when Dutch Jews were first ordered to wear a yellow star up to the day she boarded a cattle car bound for Auschwitz, Eddie dedicated herself to keeping a meticulous spiritual diary. Published four decades after her death, this book, entitled A Life Interrupted, is now a classic, one of the great moral documents of the last century. Eddie is one of those holy people whose precise religious identity remains elusive. On the one hand, she was born to a Jewish family and maintained a clear sense of solidarity with her Jewish brothers and sisters. On the other hand, Eddie's personal sojourn was nourished by a striking array of Christian voices as well, including her reading of St. Matthew's Gospel, her study of Augustine, Dostoevsky, and Tolstoy. So much so that when a Jewish friend exclaimed indignantly that her diary sounded Christian, she responded, yes, well, what about it? In a time when everything beautiful is being destroyed, she explained, when the whole world is becoming a giant concentration camp, we must hold fast to the eternal truths that Jews and Christians share, namely, the encounter with God in the depths of one's own soul and in the faces of other fellow human beings. You can call me a Jew, Eddie said, or you can call me a Christian. I don't much care, for I am at bottom a child of the living God. And so when Eddie was on the train that would take her to the death camps, she scribbled a few final notes to friends. And in one of those notes, she tried to explain what she believed was going on. And this is what she said. Someone, she wrote, has to take responsibility for God in this situation. That is, someone has to behave as if God is real. Someone has to make God by the way that they meet life and death. And so, Eddie Hillesum, at first sight a very unlikely candidate for this dignity, attempted to do just that, to make God believable through her life and her death, and in the unfailingly hopeful words she left behind. At this point, Eddie concluded in her diary, I have seen everything. And yet I remain prepared for anything. No matter what happens around me, I stand ready to bear witness unto death that life is beautiful and meaningful and that the unspeakable evil we face is not God's doing but our own.
It is hard to comprehend, O oh God, Eddie later prayed, what those created in your likeness do to each other in these disfigured days. But I will not shut myself away in my room, dear God. Instead, I will look things straight in the face, even the worst crimes, and seek to discover some small glimmer of your love hiding amidst the monstrous wreckage caused by one man's senseless hatred of another." End quote. Eddie Hillisum may seem an odd choice of a saint for me to remember on this day, and in some respects this is true. Hillisum had an ambiguous relationship with Christianity, at least when measured in traditional terms, and in most respects she remained a Jew. But I think as Christians who have a history of marginalizing and worse our Jewish brothers and sisters, it may be particularly important, especially as we see anti-Semitism once again on the rise, to hold up a life, to hold up a life that reveals God's goodness and beauties. And, and also, when I hear Jesus' admonition in today's gospel lesson to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who curse us, and to pray for those who abuse us, there are few people in history I know who did that with as much grace and conviction as Eddie Hillison. And if you were to ask me to identify the most profoundly Christ-like diary of the last century, it would be a toss-up between Dietrich Bonhoeffer's letters and papers from prison and Ellie Hillison's poignant memoir, A Life Interrupted. As I grow older, I find myself less and less interested in judging who, who is an Orthodox Christian and who is not, whatever that may mean. And I am much more drawn to celebrating and learning from holy lives that bespeak Christ's love wherever I might find them. So during the remainder of today's service, I invite you to do your own inventory of those persons, those saints, whose lives, lives have touched yours in good and holy ways over the course of your life. Think about members of your family, your friends, teachers, mentors, coaches. Think about statesmen and stateswomen, philanthropists, soldiers, writers, artists, musicians. Think too about those great men and women from history who have been moral heroes to you. And for each and every one of these saints, let us give thanks. Thanks for their witness to all that is good and true and noble and just. And thanks for offering us a glimmer of that perfect humanity that is reflected in God's Son, Jesus Christ, to whom be all honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon 
from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.